Hey, it's Margot Tantau here, host of Windowsill Chats. I am so glad you're here. I have some tales to tell, some interesting stories to discover, and I'm glad you're here to do that with me. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. In the trenches, figuring out what the best way is to get something done, how to get something made, how to get your creative self noticed, how to make the best of a situation. And so I'm here to bring those stories to you and see if there's anything you can pull out from it. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet little corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble Like I need a friend Won't you come and sit in my windowsill again Spin our favorite records Discuss the latest trends Won't you come and sit in my windowsill again Hey, it's Margo. Welcome to another episode of Windowsill Chats. I am super excited and honored and thrilled to be able to talk to one of my favorite mentors today, Gary McNaughton. I 100% would not be sitting here doing what I am today if it weren't for Gary. He kind of discovered me and my creativity and my art many, many moons ago. Um, And if you listen, you'll hear a little bit more about that. At the time, Gary had a wholesale showroom called Matura, and he specialized in artists and unique products and people that just inspired him. And he helped them figure out how to create products. And he got it out into the world in a wonderful way. And he started his own personal care company that was part of Matura. And he had amazing fragrances and square glycerin soaps and just very, very unique for the time. Very, very ahead of when anybody else was doing this. And because of that, he caught the attention of The Gap and he went and worked at The Gap under Mickey Drexler for 10 years and learned a lot. And again, there's a lot of detail in our conversation. He has worked with wonderful companies and had his own as well from retailers to hospitality brands and they have all uh, gathered his expertise for scent and good product and good design today along with his business partner Monel they have co-founded Hudson Grace which is just a wonderful fantastic store so listen on in and you'll hear a lot more about Gary and all the details. Where was the last place you traveled before you couldn't? Uh, to the Hamptons. Mm. I went there to open up our store in Sag Harbor. Um, it was that. supposed to open in April and then we were in shutdown and to uh, build a store out in the month of March was impossible. And, and so it got pushed back to opening on June 1. So I flew out the end of May before New York blocked people from California and other states from coming in and um, went there and 
that was it. Uh, it was very eerie being on a plane. It was very eerie. Yeah. All the stuff. I had flown to LA a couple of times. And to be honest with you, the planes have been empty. Uh, they have never been so clean. You know, planes prior to this were disgusting. Yeah. It was worse than being on a Greyhound bus, which I, I don't think I've ever been on one. But I was just going to pull out the same descriptor. Disgusting. And yeah. so the bathroom would be beyond. And um, so it, it was clean and it felt right. And I hope that it maintains. But uh, a lot of lessons have been learned. A, a lot of people have been deeply hurt and and, yeah. and how we're going to recover from this because we haven't even started the recovery um, at all. So when, when this bill comes, it's going to be quite shocking and I don't know where we're all going to be. It's, I drive along, like we drove, Cooper and I drove by the high school this morning because we had to run an errand and I, I said, buddy, you know, this, you'll be here in a year and a half, maybe, well, well, <laughs> you maybe. know, and it's just, you just think about how, how things will change having us be able to so easily communicate through a machine, um, mm -hmm. how things will change with, I mean, you just have, would never have thought that you couldn't go be together or music, the industry would be so affected or this industry or that food, restaurants, retail, um, decision-making, you know, just. Restaurants, that, that industry is, it's, it's, heartbreaking what yeah. has happened to them um it's it's everything has been touched in one way or the other luckily and i i cannot believe this though my life has been about i think luck a lot of it um is that uh our business because it's home yeah because it's you know it's about being in home and entertaining and stuff has just blossomed uh, and that, that's such a blessing. And uh, we had, when we started Hudson Grace, we did an online, we had to do online because of all the press we were getting at the beginning uh, by national magazines, since we only had one store in San Francisco, mm -hmm. how do they refer people to us? And they wanted us to have an online presence. So we started a website at that time and, um, so luckily we did that out of necessity and out of being required to do it. And, and that business is just insanely good. Um, so, you know, luck, yeah. a little smart on occasion. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, yeah. I think it comes down to paying attention to what you like a little bit. And mm -hmm. seeing things and kind of calling them out in your mind or out loud. I mean, well, as I, I wrote you last night, uh, I've always believed in the universe, and um, so incredible things have happened to me that are kind of like on the fringe of maybe you shouldn't tell the story to too many people because <laughs> they may have you locked up. But um, those are the best ones, though. You know, I know, and I had this situation happened very young out of uh, college. I was living in Chicago with my after college. And uh, I, well, the first time living in a real city, I mean, I lived in Cincinnati for a few years when I was with Federated Department Stores, but um, I always lived on the outside of San, uh, Cincinnati, which to me was a big city, but it, and it is. 
But uh, Chicago, that's the first time I uh, ever really saw homeless people. Mm. And we had this building on Clark Street uh, that we were doing a showroom in and offices and actually had a loft on the top of the, a a 5,000 square foot loft on top of the building. It was extraordinary (laughs) with a view of all of the city. It was, I would give anything to have it today. And I walked outside one day and there was this homeless woman and she was standing in front of our window and she was looking at her reflection and she was fixing her hair and she wiped a smudge off her face just like you'd see in a movie or something. And I said, oh my God, that could be my mother. Mm. And uh, because she probably is someone's mother. And so um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to be nice to these people and I'm going to try and help them and understand their lot in life and see what I could do. And so I started speaking to them as I would walk to Michigan Avenue or walk to state street to to go to a meeting. And, um, and one time, one guy I walked by and I didn't say something. He said, you know, all you have to do, all we require of you is just to recognize us as being people. And that hit so deep into my heart. Mm-hmm. And so um, anyway, there was an artist on Michigan Avenue. Her name was Lee Godey. Mm. And she was this, she'd been homeless a long time. I mean, her skin was like leather. She had this long hair, but she would wear clothes that just didn't quite make sense. But they were like, they had a fashion sense to them. And she mm. would draw or, and paint herself over and over and over again. They were wow. self-portraits. And a friend of mine who worked with American Express, who was a New Yorker who had moved to Chicago and was adjusting from New York to Chicago, which is an adjustment. Yes. Uh, she said, you know, there's this artist lady on the bridge and I think she's really good and you need to, you need to uh, go see her. And I said, okay, uh, next time you see her, call me and I'll run over. And so she did. And um, she, I was with Wendy, we met, and that was, Wendy was saying, she, she said, Wendy said, I would love to buy one of your paintings. Elise said, I don't know. <laughs> and she says, so Wendy said, well, how much? She says, how much do you have? <laughs> and Wendy said, my money machine wasn't working today. You're telling me. A homeless yeah. person has nothing about a yeah. money machine. Yeah. <laughs> My money machine isn't working today, and I only have $20. And Lee looked at her, and she looked at the piece of art. And it was a drawing of Mr. Chicago, she called him, a man and herself, a woman, uh-huh. on this one piece of canvas. She looked at Wendy, and she took her thumbnail and <gasps> creased it down the canvas, <gasps> ripped the painting in half, and gave <sighs> Wendy the, the female for $20. And I thought, wow, that is really good. And she says to me, she says, are your teeth real? (laughs) Said, yes, why? She's, I've always had big teeth. She said, you know, they can make false teeth. You know how they make false teeth? I said, no. She said, they take horse teeth and they grind them up. (laughs) And I think, so now I'm really nervous about my teeth. Uh, And, um, Anyway, I followed her, and one Thanksgiving, you know, I was with this 
person, business partner and a personal partner for 10 years. And we were driving back from, we had a house in Evanston on the beach and we had this big loft in the city and we were driving. And, and, and believe me, I'm from a very humble background. I am Kentucky, right? Kentucky and the humblest and the most simplest of upbringing, but very loving. And um, we're driving back and I am in a brand new luxury car. And in Thanksgiving, you know, in Chicago, well, when November one comes, God says, Chicago winter and he pushes the button and all the dark clouds come in and it is hardcore. And so it's dark, 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 driving back from having a Thanksgiving dinner in Evanston, driving down a lecture drive up to our, our place where we lived. And I see this woman standing on a corner wearing a white fur coat. It wasn't really fur, it was like feather. Uh, to the ground, a straw hat, and a, black, a dark cloud opened up and a beam of light went mm. on her. And this woman walked across the street in a beam of light. Oh my gosh. And at that moment, I was thinking about Lee and I was hoping that she was taken care of that day and that uh, she was healthy and well and fed. And I, I looked at this woman and I said to Charles, Look at that as the woman walk, walked across the street in a beam of light, and it was Lee. <gasps> what? And at that moment, I realized that this woman oh. was a spirit, that she was oh, magical. Yes. And so I used her okay. as my person and my spirit that I would talk to. Even mm-hmm. when I moved away to Los Angeles from Chicago, I, uh, I, I had a painting of hers that I never, ever, ever, um, oh, this is crazy. I never framed this painting, but it, when I needed to talk to a higher being, I would yeah. talk to Lee mm-hmm. and I would hold this rolled up scroll of art and I would talk to her and go through the things that I was dealing with and things always got resolved. And I remember when Michael and I met and we ended up moving uh, Matura to San Francisco or I did uh, to be closer to where my warehouse was and my business partners, I said, I'm going to hang this painting. Mm. And uh, when I find my home and finding my home was finding, you know, Michael and my, my, my life. And uh, so we had this big painting hung or, or framed and, and Michael doesn't know how to drive a stick. And I had this little cabriolet convertible. And so we have this painting, which is bigger than the car. He's holding it. I'm driving up and down these hills of San Francisco. Because, you know, when you get something new, you got to you yeah, gotta put it right on now. that minute. You've got to <laughs> hang it up that, that second. I mean, you got to get that checked off. Yeah. And so we um, went home, hung the painting. And it was a Friday evening. I remember and we're playing music and Michael's in the kitchen cooking. And uh, I may have even um, had a uh, something that puts you even a better mood than a glass <laughs> of wine. And I'm in the living room dancing. And I go up to this painting, which I always talk to. Yeah. And I said, I want to sell my company to the gap. Uh-huh. Now I knew no one at the Gap other than through you, through uh-huh. Richard Christman and uh-huh. Stephen Brady, but I really knew no one. And you introduced me to Stephanie. Six weeks later, I get a call 
from Mickey's office, Mickey Drexler, wow. and they want me to come in and have lunch. We'll meet with Mickey. And they said, you're going to have five minutes and you've got to walk in and you've got to uh, make your presentation and then go. And um, I said, okay. So I went to the meeting wearing this Armani suit, which was, I think it was like a sponge. It was just thick, <laughs> uh, an unusual woven fabric, <laughs> bad shoes, and God knows what else. And I walked in with a, a roller cart with like four boxes on it, mm. unpacked. And I was there for an hour and a half. <sighs> and at the end of that meeting, um, Maggie Gross, who, mm -hmm. you know, uh, said, walked across the street with me. And she said, you should go home and celebrate. I said, yeah. She said, I've been with uh, him for 10 years and I've never been in a meeting like that. Wow. And so um, that was kind of like, wow. And um, that's how it all began. But a lot of it, I owe to you and I owe to Stephanie, for you oh, to gosh. introducing me to Stephanie. Stephanie uh, bringing, you know, the attention to Maggie and, and to Mickey. And, you know, it you was know, a wonderful moment. Well, I have so many thoughts about that. You, so... Stephanie that we refer to my dear friend, Stephanie Thompson Mayer, who um, when I moved to St. Helena, California in sixth grade and was in Janice Gay's homeroom class and had to walk in January 21st in front of the whole class and sit down the new girl, God, she sat next to me and um, is still one of my best friends today and another visionary for sure. And she and I, and what was was it, was Richard, were Richard and Stephanie, and I, I think we might have all lived in that house in San Francisco at, at the time of this, or we might not quite have yet. But anyway, Stephanie um, was in charge at the time, I believe, of buying all the photography or choosing all the photography that went into Banana Republic. So she worked with some really cool artists. And, you know, Richard did a lot of wonderful things and, and the whole khaki well, he campaign. He did the marketing, and, and the marketing for Old Navy with... I mean, the people uh, who made Washington. a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Terry Donovan. Yeah. But the thing is, Gary, what you wheeled into that office was nothing like anybody had really been thinking about before. You, mm. and we'll get to that. I mean, I'm not trying to be secretive or anything, but innovation and vision you, to me, and I've been thinking, of, I've been so looking forward to this conversation. Oh gosh. Because you're the visionary's visionary. And I, and I, I, I'm not saying you set out to be a visionary. It's like you're painting on your own bridge, you know, and you're just doing your thing, but it's, but you're, you have a way and an idea that you're not going to settle for doing something that you're, that doesn't feel right. And so that's true. I think that probably came through when you wheeled those boxes through the door, you know, Obviously, I wasn't trying to fit in <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I would never know how to fit in. You know, I just have to. I, I just have to do it my way, and it is what it is, and uh, yeah. no apologies. So, um, what we're talking about is just to be a, just to be as general as possible. Personal care, just to put the. But big, you know, Margaret, we should start at the beginning we should we... because there's a really 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 good beginning and gary 
Gary McNaughton changed the, I wouldn't be sitting here if it weren't for you. I, you changed the trajectory, trajectory of my life. You believed in me mm. in a way that I've been able to turn and believe in so many other people. You were my mm. first example of that besides my parents probably. And I, it had just never shown up in the way that it did. Um, and I've, I've paid that. I don't mean pay it for it. I mean, it, you just taught me how and, and I'm forever grateful. Do you remember, well, you know, um, do you remember that day? <laughs> I <laughs> like, do. How, I, what do you remember? I remember the day that you and your mom came into the showroom. And mm. that Los was my Angeles. aunt Carol. But do you remember why, how we got there? Like why we even came in in the first place? Well, is it the wire furniture? So you, I, Stephanie and I, let's put this mm -hmm. full circle. Before Stephanie worked for The Gap, Stephanie had a little store called Poverty Fiori, a little garden it was beautiful. store. Beautiful and I store. came back from New York. I rode back from New York on the back of a CBR 600 motorcycle. Which is a whole other story. <laughs> never tell your parents before I do something never. like that. Um, anyway, and to work, and Stephanie said, you know, I left a job that wanted to put me in, and it was, anyway, I came back and worked there, and I was bored one day, and I had made a little wire chair out of wire. I had actually made an espresso cup. That was the first thing I made, and then I, I love chairs, and I love home decor. That's my passion, and uh, so I made a chair or three, and Stephanie came back from whatever errand she was running and she said you have to put those on the shelf I was like yeah right it's cost 27 cents and I just mm -hmm. twisted up this chair and we did she talked me into it because that stuff and um we put $12.50 on it and the first person in was not you but the first person in the store and there were never very many people in the store but the first person in bought it I was like what the hell yeah. and you came in, I don't know what you were doing on Potrero Hill or coming into that store, but you came in, this is how I remember it. And you said something like, you know, where'd these come from? Who made these? And you literally said, you know, you should, you should make these into a product. And I remember thinking, oh, I could never make one of these twice, you know, right. but you, I think you challenged me right then and there. You said, come, come see me. You make some and come come show me. And mm -hmm. Gary at the time had an amazing company, repping company, um, wholesaling company called Motura. And it was in Los Angeles. And my amazing aunt, Carol Tantel, um, had a store on Abbott Kinney Boulevard called just Tantel. It was Tantel Smith at the time. And so she said, come right, on. Right. And I took a six bottle wine box. You talk about your wheeling your cart in mm -hmm. <laughs> I had flashbacks. And I, I stuck six little chairs in those things. And I, I walked in and I remember walking in the door and I just, I still to this day, remember the lines you had in there because they were sophisticated and so design forward and interesting, but classic at the same time. And anyway, that's, that's how I got there anyway. And you know, I, I have, a group of those chairs and a grand piano that you made for me. And uh, I, they're some of my most valuable possessions. Mm, Gary. I love them to this day. And yeah. uh, anyway, they will be with me till the bitter end, no doubt. So but, you taught me that you could take something that someone was making and mm -hmm. put it out into the world in a different way. 
So that was the premise of Matura. It was, um, it was about finding, I, I'm a really good art director more than I am anything else. And I love people who have talent and I love most creative art, art, art people. Very few can be an artist and be a good salesman. Mm-hmm. That's a rare balance. Yeah, and because so, you have to talk about yourself. Exactly. And so to find a creative person who has a gift and to help them. And so the premise of Matura was to find these creative people, art direct them. And, you know, there was once I went into this gallery and there was this vase sitting on this pedestal lit to death and it had a ticket that said $10,000. And I go, oh my God, can you imagine owning this vase? Not that I would want a vase, but anyway, um, I probably would want that vase. But I said to the gallery and I said, now, how many of these do you sell a year? And he says, maybe one. And I said, wow. I said, but you know what? I believe in product there is, there is vibration. Mm-hmm. If a product is alive, if a concept is true, there is an energy in it that you can't, you can't compare to anything else. And so I could feel that vibration. And so I thought, well, what if we could talk to this artist and what if we could identify what is the magic, what is the vibration in this product and that we could create more than one and we could have it priced at a thousand dollars or a hundred dollars and bring this magic and this beauty to you know to the world mm-hmm. and so that was the premise of matura is to to find these products and to find these creative people and to help them and i i had so many talented people that went on to do such big things like cindy ripley of luna garcia mm-hmm. and ann gish uh-huh. uh, who her linens she came to me with one napkin yes. And uh, I said, Anne, uh, I can't sell one napkin, but what if we did an array in colors? And, and she uh, went back home and she <laughs> created her little sweatshop in her house and, mm-hmm. and brought back an assortment. We presented it and gave her a ton of orders after the sale, after the show. And she had to promise me that she would deliver these orders. And she did. Um, and she had to pull in every relationship and friend that she ever had mm. to help make this happen. And, you know, Anne died last um, I know, I summer and it broke my heart a year ago. Yeah. And uh, I got a call from uh, Margaret Russell, Peggy Russell, who mm-hmm. was the editor of Architectural Digest. And she said, Gary, um, I have some bad news. And I said, what is that? And she said, Anne passed away. And I said, what? I, I didn't even know she was ill. And she I said she was, she was very private about it. And she died. And so, you know, a couple of days later, I got a call from her daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, uh, the New York Times is going to call you. They want to do an interview for her obituary. Uh-huh. And they would like to interview you. And I said, fine, you know, I'll tell what I know. And um, when I read the obituary, I was the only person outside of the immediate family 
Gary. That they, and the thing was, I was estranged from Anne for years mm. for something that was so minor. Mm. Uh, but it was just like, you know, I can't deal with this. And, you know, yeah. um, and so I just kind of separated. And the fact that after that, when she passed, that our love for each other and respect and appreciation for what we brought and gave to each other after she was gone, I felt like she had come and said, I want to show you something. I want to, I want to, you to know how much I love you. And again, magic. Yes. It's the value in those relationships that, I mean, and obviously her daughter was well aware of that. And, you know, I think if you, if you let yourself be led by the spirit of things, it keeps coming around. It's huge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the last few weeks, we lost uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. And, um, Everyone was so upset. Well, let me tell you this brilliant, beautiful, magical creature. Mm-hmm. She gave us everything she had and then some. She did. As a matter of fact, this, uh, this shirt. Gary has an awesome is, striped shirt. Is the year of. It says Ro- 1973. That's fantastic. Roe versus, Ro versus Wade. I need one of those. And, um, oh and uh, anyway, uh, what Ruth did to awaken uh, so many people and, and all of us. Mm. And so everyone was so upset. And I said, Dean, and why couldn't she have made it past this November 3rd? Why couldn't she have held on? Well, I think in my heart of hearts that everything's going to be all right, mm-hmm. that she is still there guiding us mm-hmm. and helping us. And I think that for some reason, this turn of events that none of us understand right. happened for a reason. It usually does, yeah. doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we can't explain it, and sometimes the results aren't immediate. But in this case, I think it will be, and I think she is far wiser. And we find more... our strength when we have to, you know? Yeah. So but... I'm sad about it, but I also think that we're going to be okay. I think we are. I think, you know, she paved the way and she gave us examples of ways to be. And we just have to remember that. And, you know, grief and grieving, especially uniquely like that when it's not somebody you necessarily know, but she's made the world a better place for us. Mm -hmm. And she would fight till her last breath. That's, there's so much grief around knowing what to do without that. And she literally did. She literally did. I've thought about that a lot. Absolutely. But so, I, bet anyway. you, I bet she used your soap, Gary. <laughs> you know, so funny. So I remember with a silly soap, because I, I designed this square soap. Yeah. So let's describe it. Okay. Describe it. You so, describe so, it. Well, it was a, a glycerin bar. It was two-inch square. You could see through it. It was pigmented. And I, I, I had a great, great graphic artist that I was working with by the name of Paul. 
and he, I needed him to design for me iconic images that we embossed into the soap. So heaven, earth. I still remember. Dream. Yeah. Grass. And, um, grass. And so he did these very hieroglyphic, I mm-hmm. love Egyptian type of marks kind of they're 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 so powerful and so he did these hieroglyphic type imagery and um, we created well to to start at the beginning fragrance yes do I rarely wear fragrance because I can't stand being around it 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 takes over my head I can't think of anything but what the scent is Um, but I knew that in my showroom, it was really important to have something bigger than product that could pull people in from outside the doors and and Mm -hmm. be like a swami and just, you know, this magic again to pull them in. Maybe that was an evil thought, you know, (laughs) because maybe swamis are always kind of wicked, but I wanted to just pull them in like a magnet. And the only thing I knew that could do that, that had the power was scent. So I went to London and I met with this company called Moulton Brown, which was a uh, hair salon and a very, very, very super chic, more chic than I understood at the time, uh, clothing store for women. And it was on South Moulton Street. And they had this body care line, really shampoos and and lotions and and things like that, that... um, were really quite exquisite. And there was only one store in the U.S. who was selling it, was, which was called Barney's, which yeah. we love Barney's, and they disappeared in the last year. But um, so they gave me the distribution rights to Moulton Brown in the U.S. Mm. And they had a men's fragrance out of that collection that I absolutely adored. I wish I could have it today. It was so exquisite. And then I went and met with a, a, a beautiful woman in East Hampton that had a flower shop called Antonia's Flowers. Mm. And she had a fragrance that she, and she only worked with white flowers in her flower shop. Mm, Cool. Because white flowers have a very specific, vibrant Mm -hmm. scent to them. There's a clarity Mm -hmm. in white flowers. Very clean. And she had created something, a fragrance with freesia. Mm -hmm. And it was insanely good. And I fell in love with the fragrance. I became, I fell in love with Antonio's flowers and I sprayed it everywhere. It became the signature scent of, of my showroom. It became the signature scent of my home. Everyone I knew was wearing it. I, um, I, had it I was for obsessed sure. by it. And so I, I was selling that like crazy. And uh, it really taught me the power of scent. So mm-hmm. some smart person, I can't remember who it was, far smarter than I came in and said, why don't you do your own fragrance? And I said, well, I don't know anything about fragrance. I, I know what it would look like. And at that moment, I, I had never even thought of it, but right. at that moment I envisioned exactly what it would look like. And That's all it I takes. always would start with a soap, a bar mm-hmm. of soap. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a two inch square. It was, it was a square, hand, yes, which nobody had hand, done. And wrapped, and um, with uh, and each one had a, 
a fragrance designed for it. But the first fragrance, I, I only knew one fragrance that I loved, and that was the fre scent of fresh cut grass. Yeah. And I worked on that scent for about, I had the design done, but I didn't have the scent. I worked on this scent for about nine months. It was smelling like gasoline. And, uh, and then one day, a bottle came to me from the fragrance house, and I opened it up and I smelled it. And I was a nine-year-old kid. I was on my bike and I was riding in front of my house on the sidewalk and my father's in the front yard. He was cutting the grass, wearing a, a plaid pair of shorts and a, a different plaid shirt top. To give and, him credit. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and he looked at me, smiled and winked and I rode off on my bike. Uh. Uh, and I had such a wonderful feeling of being loved mm. as a kid. Mm. And that smelling that fragrance, that mod, took yeah. me right to that moment as being a child. Yeah. And so I knew it was right. And so that was the beginning of building these fragrances. Took it to New York, to the New York show, and presented it. And um, the last, there was, a, they used to give Accent on Design Awards, and they mm -hmm. came to me before the awards were going to be announced. And they said, will you please come to the award ceremony? And I said, Sure, I, I intended to. They said, and bring your whole team. And I said, okay. And we won the top design award for that year. Yeah. And the Museum of Modern Art came and bought it from us. And the Whitney put it into their permanent collection. And the yeah. San Francisco Museum put it in their permanent collection. And that was a bar of soap. That really it was quite a bar of soap. It was incredible. What year was that, Gary? Nine Oh, it was in the late, uh, like, 87, 80, I think. Yeah, because there, nobody else was Maybe, doing this. No, no. And then the other reason why, because I have such an attitude toward fragrance, is it was the time of Giorgio Beverly Hills yes, and that's what you opium bought. and poison exactly. and all that monstrous fragrances that yes. you couldn't get out of your... If someone came to your house, I had a, a woman stay in my apartment in Chicago and, and I gave her the apartment and I was staying with my partner. Um, we were kind of going through a, a long breakup, but anyway, and she stayed in the apartment for a week. And when I came back and she was gone, I couldn't get the scent out of my house. And so I had to move. I oh moved. my gosh. Gary. I moved. I had to move. I remember living after college or in with a, a one of my roommate's boyfriends wore polo. Oh, mm -hmm. it was, it, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. So you introduced something on the market, a couple of thoughts. First of all, a scent that was fresh, scents, plural, fresh, interesting. But the fact the that- the opposite you, of what was- The opposite of Vogue. heavy, cloying, spray yourself with it. Remember walking through- Bergdorf's or whatever, and being Bloomingdale's, and that's being sprayed. As you, and right. and so and there wasn't fragrance like that in soap. You had Breck shampoo or whatever, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, eventually, after you had wheeled your cases in, you could get shampoo, and you could get you know you could get all these things in this scent that you wanted to live with. It was a life scent. It wasn't a it, it wasn't, wasn't a made I up love scent. That. That's it's a life scent. Yes. That's beautiful. I love that. God, I just That's loved... a name right there. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you better, we work well together. You better run. <laughs> Lock that one down. You take it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 
No, it's true, but because I, I couldn't relate to that, but I knew that fragrance was powerful. Yeah. I had this relationship with Antonia's fragrance and, and, and knew how much I truly loved it and, and had this quirky nose and I could get on an elevator with a strange woman and saying, are you wearing Van Cleef first? And she's saying, how do you know that? And I said, I don't know how I know it. I just, <laughs> I just, I smelled it once and are you wearing it? She said, yes, I've been with my husband for 20 years and every year he has to ask me what I want for my birthday gift or Christmas. And I had to write it down and he sent them to the store because he can't remember it. So <laughs> I said, it's beautiful. In you. So I, I had a nose for that. So yes, it's did this thing and, and, and did undecorated bottles and raw aluminum and all the things yeah. that no one would do. Right. And, um, and it clicked. Yeah. It, that's the so, other thing, the visual of it the visual. I mean, I can pull it up right now. It was so interesting. Just that it's so simple, but it was so effective. Wh which one had the wavy line? That wasn't earth. That was, I can't remember. Oh, I did one called water. I think that was water, right? And I did earth and yeah. Um, but that grass, oh my gosh. I know. And there was and nothing was... like, cause eventually you had, you could have everything, right? So you could get in the shower and you could just surround yourself in these clouds of this scent. And it was so, it was so great. I remember once there was a, a, a show on, I don't know, I, I, who is the model that um, very famous with the mole right on her Cindy. cheek? Cindy Crawford. Yeah. And I'm watching and Cindy Crawford is in the bathtub, in a bathtub taking a bath with my soap and I'm saying, Oh my God, I'm from Owensboro, Kentucky. How can this, how can this happen? Mm -hmm. So that was kind of a moment that maybe it was good. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was good, but you but know, I so then, then I went to Gap and I was there for 10 years and I, I worked with uh, directly with Mickey Drexler, who I still madly love and still yeah. communicate with and, he makes me light up because he taught me so many things, so many things. And um, I think before, just to segue quickly about how you got there, you always did what you felt was the right thing to do. You always stood for design that felt right to you, style that felt right to you, scent that felt right. And that's what was noticed. That's how, that's why you didn't just follow a trend. You set them. Yeah. And you did it not because yeah. you thought you should, but because you were inspired to. You know, somebody said, why don't you have a fragrance? You imagined what it looked like, and then it can all come, you know? So, so things that he taught you, I mean, that must be well, a good I, thing to think about for you. Yeah. Well, he, he taught me some legalities. Yeah you know, can we own this would yeah. be his first question when you would say something, show him something. Can we own this? Mm -hmm. I always loved naming. I, I, I named things and he would mm -hmm. say, can we own that name? Uh, so it mm -hmm. taught me the importance of just as you just said, life sense. It's like, okay, run right now and lock that name down. Mm -hmm. The fact that I could have a name called heaven Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And in fragrance, no one had ever used it. That's kind of crazy. And, and, and I make a call to my attorney and we get it in a matter of days yeah. is 
bizarre. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen today. You have to right. call it heaven X, Y, Z or something. Right. But um, the other thing is in those moments, Don Fisher, who was the real founder and creator with Doris, who I adore them both. Uh, of the Gap, Gap, yeah. I had this office on top of, on the sixth floor on, on the Bay overlooking the Bay bridge. And Don came up and sat in my office with me. He says, you know, they say is they say you can think as far as you can see. Mm. And he said, look at, look at your view. Oh, and I wow. thought, wow, what? Uh, I'll never forget that. Wow. Look at your view. Cause it was infinite. Uh. Um, so those were extraordinary days yeah. and uh, being a humble person. Yeah. Uh, at that point in my life was just truly extraordinary. I love it. I um, had the opportunity once or twice to come visit you as um, you were creating home goods there mm-hmm. as you moved for into banana that, home right. for banana home, banana Republic home. And I remember, you know, walking in and seeing that you were about to present and um there was a white terry cloth chaise. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I think Laura Dunsford's boat flag kind of yes, thought yes. process. And I don't remember why I was there. I was must have been Well the chaise is still here. I I have it <laughs> in the house here right but now. That was that must have been really fun for you to 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 uh, move into that and and to get to make that up in your fantastic taste. Yeah, well, that was a wonderful moment. And, and we had 56 stores. But, you know, uh, doing home in a clothing store is not easy because no. a clothing brand, because this is the last thing they want to talk about. Uh, but I worked with Terry Despont, who is a very famous interior designer and architect. And he's so famous, he did the redo of the Eiffel Tower when they refurbished oh, that. My. They also did the Statue of Liberty. Uh, As you do. So when they did the refinish of that re- for, I think it was 1976. Wow. Um, and I was just, a, you know, out of, just just graduating from college and, and thinking who can redesign or refresh the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, I just can't. Is, how do you do that? I can't take that. Anyway, uh, he was Mickey's interior designer and built his homes. And so Terry would come in and advise me on things. He'd just uh-huh. say, let wow. me see what you're doing. And, and Terry said to me, and I'll never forget it because we always, our current company now is Hudson Grace. And he, and he would say, you put something very large in a, a very small space. And um, it's about oversized mm-hmm. and, and the power that oversized has in a room, mm-hmm. in a home, in an environment. And so I love that. So that kind of became something that I carry with me and still carry with us today at Hudson yeah. Grace. Is things are, we have very small stores and they have very large <laughs> oversized products in them. And, and, <laughs> And I'm fighting for a square inch. I need an inch. I yeah. need an inch to be able to display something properly. Uh, so we got to get rid of something here. There you go. But, um, so, so, yes. From the Gap or time. from Banana Home, which was beautiful, and I still have napkins today. 
And I still listen. People still come up and talk to me about banana home, and and still talk Mary. to me about the fragrance of grass. Yeah, um, those things that you know you did. So it starts to become so many years ago, and yet it was important to people, and be it a success or not a grand success. Um, it uh, banana home was a success, but they wanted us, Mo, Monel, my partner, mm-hmm. and I to move to New York and work closely with the uh, fashion group. And I remember that. I wasn't going to move to New York because no. I had my home, I had my family, I had everything here. And, and Mo was kind of like an only child and she could not leave her family. And, mm-hmm. and so we had to say no. And so we had to turn it over to uh, the New York team. And um, they... It just wasn't the it's same different. and they distorted within a year. And, um, you know, yeah. yeah. And that's so you look back at those things. You learn to think. let go. You got to let yeah. go. Wasn't, wasn't I lucky to be able to do that? Exactly. Yeah. So then what? So then uh, I worked on creating, you know, Gap Body and art directing that and, and a few other things. And eventually uh, after 10 years of being at Gap and, and being able run. to... It's and, and corporate, yes. For an entrepreneur uh, to go corporate, I can I can taste that one. That's tricky. It's a tricky thing. I, I learned a few lessons. Along the way. <laughs> um, what to do and what not to do, we learn along the way. Yeah, and I understood what political correctness yes. was about. Yes. Oh my gosh, um, that's the hardest lesson of all. That was, that's a tough one. Still learning it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, left Gap Inc. And, and took a year off and just kind of traveled and went to Burma and did some charity work and um, just kind of, and bought three cars and two houses and realized if I didn't get a job, I was going to end up in prison. <laughs> Where did the painting was, go in all this? Did you keep her close to you? <laughs> she is in my uh, master bedroom in, okay, in, good. in Marin. But um, I realized that it wasn't about, getting these possessions it was i like wheeling and dealing i like doing deals and uh, exactly. going to a, a showroom a auto showroom and and because my car was dirty at the time i just needed a, a new car so it was that bad and so uh i had to um work a deal and, and drive out in a new car and so i realized i'm in real trouble here yeah so <laughs> something I, has to I, change uh, Bill Fisher, who's one of the Fishers, the, the son, uh, he had was he had just bought a company in London called Space and K, mm-hmm. which is a, a cosmetic company. And so he and Nikki Kinnaird, who uh, actually was one of my first customers for Matura Soap, she bought all the oh. bath line and put it into the stores in England. And um, so they asked if I would join them and be creative director of that brand. And so I went to London and was traveling back and forth from London yeah. to California every month, brutal after yeah. a year. And then uh, I convinced them to buy a company called uh, Diptyque, which you know, yep. because I admired Diptyque. And so I uh, was with Diptyque for two years as creative director. Such good and, sense. Oh my God. The best. But I'll tell you years. another thing is you don't go to Paris as an American and tell them how to do fragrance. <laughs> Pretty much, no. Not <laughs> no, no, no. Oh gosh, no. That would who is no. this? Who is this guy? But you know, I'm dumb, and uh, 
I just don't think about those things. And so arrogant, and um, I learned that lesson. And so after three years of going back and forth to Europe every two weeks, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was getting, I would get sick in the car going yeah. to the airport. Yeah. Just thinking about what you're doing to your body. So um, I was happy when that was over, but I love the experience. I love being able to walk yeah. around Paris and walk around London. And Well, and, and the people you meet along the way and, and the experiences you have, I mean, it just, it just adds up, right? You don't do it thinking. It's oh. all a total. It's yeah. all a total. And, and you had, you've had some great, you know, Oh, I've met equations. some wonderful people. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I forgot to say, and I just want to add it in before I forget again. My mom and I had a retail store after I had my little wholesale wire, wire line with you. And we'd go, you know, buy from Matura. And Gary would say, no, personal care is really going to be a thing. You should really put it in the store. And we were <laughs> thinking like, who has soap in their store? You know, you go to the grocery <laughs> store, the pharmacy for soap. And we... We brought that in and it, it was crazy. People would come in and go straight to that shelf where it was. I can still see it. And that's, that's all they wanted. And I feel like you brought that spirit and energy. I mean, that's why you work for Diptyque. <laughs> I can't imagine the, diff- the, the politicalness around that. But you oh know, that's what God. you bring with you. You bring that, that you know, plus you're, you have the enthusiasm around it. So. But didn't you didn't you do some crazy things with scent for like big places? Yeah. Then? Well, then I then I uh, started my next company called Through Smoke Creative. That's right. And Through Smoke means perfume. Through par is through, and fume is smoke. And the first fragrances ever known to man were really when they would put resin resin from a tree or a plant on a on a, a fire, and it would go up and smoke and it would be scented mm-hmm. and um, I mean, mm. that makes sense back to the pharaohs and before that and so um that would be the good sense of running, the time yeah they <laughs> thought i was running a head shop through smoke <laughs> but uh it wasn't and um so uh did that and i worked with some very very big uh, companies designing lines for them and fragrances and and and, and loved it and, and I some, think I remember learning, like I didn't know till I was talking to you at that time that there was scent in places we don't expect scent to be, or we don't realize that there is scent. And not, but uh, we were scenting and, and I was working with another company as an advisor um, that was scenting like the Barclays Center and, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and large in airports and, yeah. and all these things to, you know, I, I can't walk into a Delta uh, club room without recognizing that scent, which I'm not really that fond of, but I, I know it is, it's a familiarity mm-hmm. when I go through that glass door. Oh my God, I remember doing this scent and it's still here. Um, yeah. And then and I imagine, and, it, and you create scents that are in places that people don't realize are there like they can associate a scent with something like you walk into a bookstore, right? Like, oh my god, well, that's one of the best scents on the planet. The scent well, you of, did that for Nick, a printed right? paper, right? Right, so our yeah. Nichols candles, Gary had a hand in, in bringing those to life, and and that's yeah. another that's another story. But well, there was Nick some, is a wonderful person, I, I, a wonderful I, person. 
Nick has such a beautiful, innocent child's eye. That's another story I want to tell real short Please. and fast and sweet is, is not about, it's about having an innocent eye mm-hmm. and to be able to step out of your body and stop and look and be the little girl or the little boy that you were in growing up in Napa Valley or in Kentucky or wherever. And you stop and you go back and be an innocent child and look at what is going on around you. Mm. So Mickey Drexler, again, my, he's my movie star. He, you know, he'd walk into my office wearing a $6,000 Hermes jacket and, you know, a $50,000 watch and God knows what and going home to his $30 million house and all this stuff. But he would come into the office and when you would show him something, he would become like a 10 year old kid Mm. and he would look at it through innocent eyes, eyes that had never seen Mm. any of these worldly possessions. That's a gift. He would say, Oh my God. Now, is it going to come with scotch tape on it? I said, no, that's a prototype. It's a prototype. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and, and, but I, I, I could not believe that this man with such vision could remove all that and yeah. become this innocent set of eyes and look at something for the first time as a child. And I thought, oh, my God, that is a gift. That's and so I, I, I try to, to do that, especially in moments when something extraordinary is happening. Yeah. And I, I, I go back and I let myself be that child. And I, I'm Gary and I'm eight years old and I, I live in a three-bedroom track home in Owensboro, Kentucky, and I let myself be that innocent child. And I get to look around and see things through his eyes. And you and still have wonder. Still have wonder. And, I, and that's something I try and do um, when th- I'm working on things. And I think when it comes to you, and I would say watching Mickey might have felt that way. You know, when, when you can watch somebody or work with somebody who you can, you can feel them getting to that place. Like they go there because they're excited about the potential of something or they're looking at something and they're seeing, you can tell they think it's interesting or fresh or different Then it all. It just feels right that, you know, when I look at art today, even on Instagram, it's that feeling in your, in your chest or something that you're just like that it's unique. It's that person. It's their style. It's good. They let it come out of them. You know, those are the things that I look for every day. Mm -hmm. And I feel Mm -hmm. like even an experience, like, I don't know, looking outside right now and just noticing something, we have to keep connected to that, you know? And Mm -hmm. because, (laughs) because, you know, it's a, it's a slippery slope, but yeah. Otherwise, what's the point? Especially now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Too much news. So, Just go outside, be, have some wonder. You know, it's interesting. Um, going back to what we were talking about. Um, when I started through Smoke Creative, I, I had um, some really great accounts come to me right off the bat. 
And at that same time, I was having these headaches and mm. and dizziness that really kind of frightened me. I'd be driving on the 101 and I would be spinning. And so I thought, my God, I cannot believe that I'm going to have to stop driving at this point in my life because I must be having an allergy attack, mm. you know, and because I would never think that it was anything worse than that. And so I went to see an allergist and he said, well, let's do an MRI. So I'd love to do an MRI. I've always heard about them. Let's do it. Well, I had no idea that you're going to put your whole body into a tube, which I have two things, which I I walk around with. I have extreme dyslexia. Mm. So I did not learn to read until I was in the fifth grade, which really traumatized me because I couldn't unscramble the words, but people didn't know what dyslexia was. I didn't know what dyslexia was until I went to college and I read about it in Time oh, Magazine or something. And, uh, and it was a hard read. <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing is uh, claustrophobia. Oh, boy. And so um, I'm in this tube and um, trying to have an out-of-body experience so I can mm. not move and, and only do it once. And uh, I found that that I had a, a small brain tumor in a very delicate part in my head where all the nerves come together right by my ear where mm. I control hearing, facial, um, all those nerves uh, come together. And so the surgery is really dangerous, difficult. Mm, delicate, I'm And sure. there will be uh, repercussions. And I thought, oh, I, I just started this new company and now I've got all these people and, and now I have this. And so I uh, ended up going to Stanford and having a, uh, a thing called the CyberKnife where they uh, actually x-ray and CAT scan and MRI your head. They know it 360 degrees and they're able to go in with um, lasers and radiation basically mm-hmm. and radiate inside the tumor mm-hmm. and they stop at the inside wall mm-hmm. and they do this from all different directions. And so that radiation is concentrated in the tumor wow. and it doesn't cause scarring and it shrinks and dies if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And it did. Wow. And so I was able to get beyond that and to carry on with my, my business. Mm, that's and then one day, um, Monel Toto, who I adore mm-hmm. and challenge her, and she challenges me every day of my life, who was uh, someone I brought from Williams-Sonoma to join me at Gap Inc. to do Banana Home. And she is she's so wonderful. And I, I said to her in the meeting, in the interview, I said, um, can you, she said, well, I want to tell you one thing. She said, I'm not good with numbers. And I said, well, part of your job is numbers. She said, well, I'm not good with numbers. I just want that out on the table. I said, okay. And she isn't, but she's gotten better. And I said, well, in the interview, I I said, can you do the Macarena? (laughs) And she stood up and she did the Macarena from start to finish. Oh, my gosh. And I said, well, you got the job. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, Gary. (laughs) That that was the formality. See why I I love him? I knew I wanted Mo, but the fact that she would, in a, a formal job interview, get up and do the macarena for me. Never underestimate kind of... all your talents. 
<laughs> that's the kind of person I want working for me. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree so, more. So she and I became very good friends. And when we left Gap around the same time, she went back to Williams-Sonoma. I started through some more creative. And many, many years later, seven years later, she said, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I want to do a retail store. And I want you to be my partner. And I said, Mo, I am so busy. I have got clients. I have taken on too much. I'm about to snap. I can't do this. And she said, well, I want you to think about it. I want you to do it. And then she started having everyone under the sun call me and convince me I should do it. And I was pushing back. I said, Mo, I've always wanted to have a store, but this isn't the time. And I went to bed one night and I had a dream and I dreamt that, um, I pay attention to dreams too. And I dreamt that I had passed away. I had died and I was uh, meeting my maker, whoever that was at the time. And he said, asked me the question, do you have any regrets in your life? And I said, yeah, I do. I, I regret that I never did a retail store. I've done retail for everyone, but yes. not for myself. And so wow. I woke up and I knew the answer. And I called yeah. Mel and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And here's why. Huh. And I said, but I'm not going to do it to do one store. I, I want to do it, do a store that we uh, can eventually make too big wow. for us to handle. And we find and we take it and we sell it because I want to stand back when I'm, I want to sit back in my rocking chair. I want to <laughs> look at something that I started and that is continuing and continuing without me because I've always done businesses that do really well when I'm there. And when mm -hmm. I leave, it, it, it's not the same. And of course it wouldn't be the same, but. Sure. But, but you, do have a, to... you do have things that a lot of things that will carry on, but I'm glad this could be. I just have one question. Was your bit, was the painting in the bedroom when you had that dream? Oh, I talked to it all. Uh, yeah. Yes, it was. Okay. Just and checking. I talked to that painting through that whole, um, to your the conversation. I'm sure. And uh, I, but uh, I really get it. I'm so glad that you did that because there's nothing, there's, there's a lot that goes into designing for somebody else, but creating something for yourself, a space that you're welcoming people into. I mean, a retail store is kind of like your home, you know, they're coming in to things, a space that you've designed and things that you've chosen and they then choose to take those with them. And, and that's all you, I mean, that's you too. I'm so glad that you did that. I'm so glad. I am too, obviously. But, um, and so we, we created this brand. It's, it's based on entertaining because we both love to entertain and to have people in our homes and, uh, and do it with a little style, not making it complicated, just a little style and, um, and things that we love and not being tried about it because I think everyone who does a store, they, they had the same Thing they say but what we did was we designed our products for the most part and mm -hmm. and I said to Mo do you want to have a signature scent because I didn't want to mix my through some creative business with Hudson Grace and she said oh my god I was waiting for you to ask this and I said why well, I, I have a scent that's been sitting on my desk for two years and it's been too good to give to anyone and it's just really beautiful and I smell it every day and it was too good to give to a very large retailer that we all know and admire right now. Mm -hmm. uh, are they doing some very over the top things? 
based out of Moran. Mm-hmm. So and charcoal gray is one of their key colors, <laughs> but I'm not going to give it any heads. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, I said, it's just, it's just too good because they won't, they'll love it in the meeting and then yeah. we'll move on to the next thing and it will never go where it should go. And so right. I said, here it is. And it's the scent of orange flower, tuberose yeah. and jasmine, three of the most beautiful mm-hmm. notes on the planet. Mm-hmm and uh, brought into perfect balance and harmony. Yeah. And it became the signature of the scent, the scent of the store and the brand. And it opened up the door to building a very large fragrance business in our home mm-hmm. category. But, you know, fragrance is the first thing that people, I go back to fragrance because yeah. it is a love. Fragrance is the first thing that you notice when you walk into a home. Right. And so that's why I always think, you know, one, you want your home to smell clean. Two, you don't want to disguise odors. You want odors to not be there, but you want there to be special moments. And so to light a gorgeous candle, not just a candle, but a beautifully designed candle Mm -hmm. that isn't just bought off the shelf, but it was created. It was created from experience, a moment that was too big to not notice and you carry it with you until mm-hmm. the day that you can sit down and build it. Right. And so that's how these scents came about. They weren't just bought off a shelf. They were created. Right. There's a big they difference. Were created. They big were difference. created from an experience that was more powerful than you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and will never leave you. <sighs> so, that's kind of how we approach all this. It's very personal. <laughs> I love that so much. Remind me the name of that first scent for Hudson Grace. No, we call it original. Original, that's right. That's it's, right. Because that's what it was. It was the original scent. And it still is our number one selling fragrance. And, um, you know, it just... And it came about through... I went to Mexico and I was being seduced by someone <laughs> and I uh, but it's true I'm not ashamed of I know it. I just loved your expression right there it's really great no Here, and, and so I went into this private store that was this stone building with these antique cathedral doors and walked in and the store was lit with beeswax candles oh. and tuberose was thrown on the floor. It was in oh vases. It was laying on shelves and tuberose is a fragrance that gets bigger as it ages. Mm. And so um, obviously I didn't go with it, but I left that day and went on to New York and I met with a, a very famous uh, perfumer, Rodrigo Forrest, who mm-hmm. designs Tom Ford's fragrances mm-hmm. and John Varvatos. And he is the top of the pyramid in the way of uh, fragrance design. And um, I said, Rodrigo, I was seduced um, by a fragrance in Mexico and it's tuberose and it's the most powerful fragrance I've ever experienced. And he said, let me show you something. And he goes and gets a little vial of of oil and he brings it and puts it on a desk in this beautiful room in the middle of the sky in the middle of Manhattan. And we dip the waters and we smell. And I said, oh my God, that's it. Mm -hmm. I said, this is it. How much is this a pound? Mm -hmm. He says, well, it's 
I don't know how much it is a pound. He says it's $275 an ounce. Mm -hmm. And I said, Rodrigo, I need an ounce to put in a candle. (laughs) I can't sell a $700 candle. Mm -hmm. And he says, but let's think about this. Let's pull three of the most beautiful notes that you know. What are they? And I said, well, tuberose. I said, when I walk around at night in uh, Los Angeles in the summer, and the jasmine is in bloom everywhere. And that night air is jasmine. Mm-hmm. And I said, the other note that I love is the scent of orange flower mm-hmm. when it's on a tree and, mm-hmm. and the orange trees are in bloom. I said, it's intoxicating. He said, those are the three notes. Now let's, let's find a balance in right. those notes. Mm-hmm. Right so that's how original came together is finding these three beautiful notes. It's as simple as that. And what Mo has taught me over the years is, because she loves cooking and we both love eating um, is fewer ingredients make a more beautiful recipe and a more beautiful dish. So it's kind of like less is more. I know that's a a saying that Nies van der Rohe coined and it's Mm -hmm. been used a lot. It's so true. And maybe it's been used too much, but it is so true. Less is more. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's everlasting when it's more simple. It's true. I, I love this. And I feel like it goes back to what you're saying before, because a fragrance takes us somewhere. And when you describe tuberose and that moment in Mexico with the beeswax and the crushed blossoms where people might have stepped on them on the floor. I mean, mm-hmm. and that, that you, but and to somebody else, they might, be in their grandmother's garden or some other wonderful place. And um, I just think, you know, the less is more part, the older we get, I used to feel, oh my gosh, people who know me well will like be rolling their eyes and laughing right now. But I, I, I'm such a collector. Um, I, I love the shape of things and the look of things. Just take, cream pottery just for one. Oh, I, 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 I you know, <laughs> I know. And I just, but I couldn't stop with three for a while. I mean, I had, I hunt, let's just not even say, um, because I just loved looking at those shapes and I was inspired by the lines, but the whiteness and it would let me go somewhere with it and things like that. But then having that in my head, I don't need to have it in my house right now anymore. I mean, some, yes, but it's been also less is more and, and finding those people that, that fill you or that place where you can be that fills you or that book or that thought or that scent. I just, um, doesn't mean I'm not attracted to and want to surround myself with those beautiful things, but I, I think it's just definitely something to to remember, it's a filter. It's a good filter to have, you know? It is a good filter to have. Well, listen, I've always tried to be very simple, but I have a weakness for objects. And so, but we have cabinets and cabinets and cabinets and cabinets filled with objects. You don't have to have them all out at one time. No. Uh, so I store them. And if I'm not inside of a store displaying, I'll go home on a Saturday and start doing displays in my house. But I 
trade them out. Mm-hmm. I love walking into a room and just looking around and, and, and looking at the things and thinking about them and how it came about. I have a foot that uh, Andrew Beatty, you probably know oh, Andrew yeah. Beatty. Yeah. Cause he did our first house. He and Mark Mack, the architect did uh, design the first house we bought on Howe mountain up on Greenfield road. Yeah, and uh, he had a, a, a marble foot and El Decor many years ago photographed our house in the city and uh, on the coffee table was this big, beautiful marble foot. And My chairs were in that one. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I do remember that. And that. Uh, in yeah. the dining room, the chairs but, on the But the, the marble shelf. foot too, the, and where yeah. it was. That was the best yeah. part. On this uh, glass on coffee, the coffee table, table. With, the, with the, the, the rubber wheel legs or yeah. feet and uh and mark reached out and our, our andrew reached out and said you have my foot i said not only do i have your foot i also have your house <laughs> you know but see that's the that's, thing and 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 the delight that that brought you putting that foot on that coffee table which was you know yeah, as your mother would say, don't put your feet on the coffee table. <laughs> exactly. And I've got a big foot on the coffee table. And yeah. I still have it. And it's, it's here in this house right now. Yeah. So these are the things that maybe at the time you thought, oh, I can't spend that right. amount on something. But uh, you do and you never regret it. And no. it stays with you forever. And I love that. You know, really, life is about not having those regrets whenever possible. No, not at all. Yeah. So but it's, it's been good. What are you excited about next? What's, what's keeping you going through this craziness? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm excited because I'm going to go to New York in two weeks and I'm looking forward to that. I'll bet. Uh, because I, I just, I'm excited to see fall. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because in California, there is fall, but it's not the same. And so I'm looking forward to seeing being in New York State and and seeing fall and pumpkins. Uh, October is my favorite month of the year. I just love it. I love the concept yeah. of Halloween and all the craziness, all the different masks and witches and, and all that. Um, and it's different in the East for sure because it's fallish. Mm-hmm. And you can smell it. Mm-hmm. And I've designed our window for uh, Christmas for the stores. And it says, I can smell winter. Ooh. That's what it says. And I love that. I can, oh. smell, I can smell winter. I That's love that. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and so I'm excited for that. Um, I'm excited to have a Christmas tree this year. I'm excited to, you know, Margot, the best thing that this pandemic has given me is reaching out to people and having people reach out to me that I have loved Mm -hmm. in my life that I've encountered and shared things with Mm -hmm. and out of, out of the blue, they come Mm -hmm. and we reconnect and we realize it hasn't been 10 years. It hasn't been 20 years we were always connected. We've always been there. There is no wall. We are instantly in the groove, inspiring and teaching and sharing and laughing. And it's that spirit. That's been, 
That's been a, a, a wonderful gift. That is a big gift. Truly a wonderful gift. I love so, that. I'm so grateful. I was so, I mean, just the fact that you noticed that I was, <laughs> there was a podcast happening and you, you were so supportive from the get go. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, gosh, I, can't, I want to talk to you. No, and I, when you, you, you threw that at me, I thought, oh, please, because I would love to, to nice. do this just because, you know, I, I, I speak in a stream of consciousness. Which is why Probably anyone who's listening is saying, I'm, I'm totally confused about time. I, when did this happen? How did that happen? Uh, but it's just, it's a free flow of thoughts, but there are moments that stood out, lessons that I took in moments I stood back and paid attention to one last thing I want to say is I once believed that, you know, my life has been, and I think all our lives is people sometimes it's like you're at a party and there's a waiter walking through with a tray. It's kind of like Alice in Wonderland. It's like, Mm. and he says, take one. Mm -hmm. And so you choose wisely as you're taking that one, canapé or hors d'oeuvre or cocktail off that tray, but you choose that particular one and you have no idea where that one can take you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of how I look at all this. It's like people come to all of us and they, they say, choose one. So take advantage of that. Pay attention to that. Pay attention to that moment yeah. And, and, and choose that item and see where that's going to take you. It'll take you. It, it, it's a wonderful gift. It's a wonderful gift. And I think it's, it's things, it's people, it's experiences, it's jobs. It's, you know. Oh, and there's one more lesson. I and then I will, I will let you be. But <laughs> I love it. It's about age. Oh, I bring try it on. not to. I try not to think about age. I know. I've never been a person who celebrates birthdays, though people try and celebrate your birthday. Because I figure if you don't, they don't remember. Exactly, and I don't want them doing the math, and <laughs> yep. and I don't want to do the math because I don't want to limit myself and say, "Oh, I'm going to be 65. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I can't do that in five years. I'll be this right. age. I can't do that. No limiting. No possibly. limiting allowed." Mm-mm. And so just forget that shit. Yep. Just if you feel good, if you've got the energy, you've got the passion, the drive, just keep going with it. Don't pay it. Don't let that limit you I because it's ridiculous. More. It is. You know, I look at my parents who I won't mention their age, but to many that it would be an older age and they don't stop. They just, and I've grown up with that and I'm, I feel like you're driven by the passion of something. Why be driven by, I can't do it because of my age. It's, it's not that at all. The only reason you can't do it is because you're busy that day or something. <laughs> really? No, it's just that should not be brought into the equation. Mm-mm. So just keep doing and, uh, and keep I can't wait to and- see what else you do. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I have to ask. Because uh, it's one of my favorite things to hear. Who's in, tell me three people who are inspiring you. I would say any artist that is doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Artists inspire me. And it doesn't matter what media, uh, 
what medium uh, artists inspire me. So all artists inspire me. Uh, and I, I, I am envious that they can dedicate their life and their time and their passion to do something like that. It's, I think it's stronger than, it's a very strong force that they have. It's very. And I love that. So artists inspire me. I'm inspired by hardworking. I'm not naming names. I'm, I'm inspired by the people that do services for us. Yes. And because I, I see my office door open and close all day long with FedEx and UPS, and these people are working their asses off. Yeah, they are every day. Doing, you know, delivering these goods that help us, you know, keep our pantries filled, but also our, our, our businesses going. They're just extraordinary people, mm-hmm. extraordinary people. I, uh, because of what is going on right now, and, 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 and we don't know where this is going to end. We just don't have a clue. Uh, there are no easy answers. Um, I'm inspired by the people who have dedicated their, their lives right now to finding the mm-hmm. cure for this, yeah. because uh, it is one of the most important things in our lifetime. That it is. really is. So the the doctors that are so exhausted and, and yeah. those people and I know it all sounds a little trite and typically I'm not trite about these things and I'm not you know the do-gooder or the person that that would say these things because I think enough people say it uh, but I'm inspired by those people because they're incredible when you stop and think about it it really matters all those things really matter and I think Yes, it's being said, but when you can have a conversation like we just had that's, you know, looping around many, many interesting things and come back to what's really important now, and it's the people that are working so hard, mm-hmm. all those three categories work very hard for very different reasons, right? But we all know people in each of those categories, and we see how hard they're working, and they're doing it, you know, somebody somewhere is risking their <laughs> life their to, to, to cause to find us a cure or to bring us something we need. And, and then an artist is working really hard to make a living and to create something beautiful. And so I, I just think it's, it's totally valid. Well, you know, I read something the other day. It was basically without art, we are nothing. And, you know, it's the power of art and, and what it does for us. And I've never bought a piece of art and I don't have expensive art, but I've never bought a painting or anything that has ever aged on me. Mm. I will go up and look at it and stand in front of it and remember that moment and, and admire the toes on that person or mm-hmm. the eyes in that portrait mm-hmm. as if I'm seeing it for the first time. And that is I mean, you can buy a beautiful sweater or a dress or coat and after so many wears and it's not the same. I, I think that art is it's very powerful and it, it helps us. It soothes us and we need to to be calm and, and soothed. Yeah. 
I also like cheap television. And che- I thought you were going to say Cheetos. <laughs> oh, no, I can't eat Cheetos. They're fried. They give me cheap television. Oh, my gosh. There's cheap so television. much to watch right now because. Oh, my God. We, we, are. Are watching, we are watching the worst thing and the best thing on the planet is from Australia. It's called A Place Called Home. A Place to Call Home. Okay. It's a, uh, a soap opera uh, about this wealthy Australian family in the 50s. And it is wonderful. It's brilliant. It's stupid. It's trite. It's so predictable, and we are loving every minute of it. We can't wait to watch the next episode. I love that. Oh, you know, really, the places we thought we would be, and we're, we're right here, and it, it's, it's enabling us to have the conversation and watch the, the show and, you know, smell the smell. And I just, I'm grateful. And, and technology. Mm-hmm. My God. A year ago, I would be so uncomfortable having mm-hmm. a face-to-face i hated facetime to have this type of connection i just i couldn't do it i had the screen looking at a wall it wouldn't yeah. be at me and now it's so important to to have this contact and very yeah. co- being comfortable with it and yeah and loving it and thank god it's saved us all it has so, thank it's you it's wonderful thank you this has just been beyond uh, oh gary i you mean so much to me and i'm I just love connecting, reconnecting, and let's just keep doing it. Promise me. When you come to Napa, will you let me know you're here? Oh, yes. Absolutely. And come to the island. I would love to. And will you give my love to your mom and dad? I will. Two of the most attractive people I ever met. I remember meeting Mm -hmm. them for the first time at, at your house and uh, at their house and i'm thinking my god they are like movie stars these two are <laughs> gorgeous you know they just they live they live truly and i think that's the best way i wanted to revisit and call you back and find out what you thought and how you're feeling about the fact that half of the napa valley just burned away and it's mm-hmm. been heavy on my mind and my heart and being far away, I felt like all I could do was um, share updates via Facebook and stuff, but Mm. I just didn't want to let it go unspoken. So have you Mm -hmm. been back? Mm -hmm. What's it like? Yes. Well, I went on Saturday and oddly enough, I mean, you're driving, it's morning, but it's still dark because the sky is just so heavy with smoke. Mm. And, um, when I got to the house, everything was fine. We have a metal roof on our house. You know, this is my third house in St. Helena. Mm-hmm. The first one was on top of Hell Mountain, mm. above Meta, way above Meadowood, which your mom and dad lived and you lived. Yeah. Um, and by the way, did that house survive? I do believe. Oh, ours? Mm-hmm. It did, Gary. And I thought, um, we thought it was gone. Six houses up there burned down and, you know, it was right mm-hmm. above everything. And, but my sister found, um, something on Twitter that showed the house next door and we could see it in the background. So, you know, my mom just Wonderful. burst into tears because she, she said those walls are so full, you know, 35 years of memories. And, and we feel that way for everybody that, that lost thing in, in the winery. I just can't believe the jobs, the, the, the livelihood for so many people it's just it's hard to wrap your head around it's bigger than one can take in to be honest Uh, but the drive from 
Marin to St. Helena, you know, going 37, 121 to 29 and 29 to St. Helena, I saw nothing mm. other than beautiful, you know, Mondavi and Opus One and, you mm. know, nickel and nickel and everything that is architecturally and most of all, I think of it as a, the landscaping and the gardens. Mm. I mean, Napa's one giant garden manicure to perfection. It's like yeah. equal to going to Paris and seeing a Luxembourg garden. It's the same thing. It's just more natural. So everything looked good up to that point. Mm. I got to the house and I opened the door and it smelled like a dirty fireplace. You know how that smoke was, yeah. but the house was closed and everything was turned off, but it, it just, I guess the, the ventilation, the HVAC pulled in those since I got to change the filters this next weekend. So I, I, I just went outside and just started washing things off for mm. hours and hours. The plants were covered with ash. The pool had turned black because the whole bottom, instead of being, you know, that beautiful pool blue, the bottom was black, bed of ash. So the water was black. Um, I just washed and washed and washed. And, the, and, and pieces of ash the size of a three-inch square wow. were falling. And I could, then I, I understand how a leaf that's burning, that's flying on the wind, mm -hmm. which is an ember, and then it lands on a dry plant. And, it, and with wind, it gets fueled. And you can understand how it can happen. Yeah. But it's... Yeah. it's so I, I didn't, I, I, I know that uh, my friends that live on the adjacent property to Calistoga Ranch mm -hmm. lost all mm -hmm. their, their grounds, but the house was a stone oh, house wow. that stayed. So, you know, hundreds of years of vegetation and growth and vineyard takes a long time to, to bring that time. softness back. Yeah. As you know, Calistoga Ranch gone. Oh, the video of that was um, staggering. And then yeah. everything's gone and yet a generator was running. You know, it's just the, there's the dichotomy of it all. But I just wanted to, um, I don't know, join voices to send out uh, thoughts. Laura Rumbauer, you know the Rumbauer yeah. winery. Yeah. She is a dear friend, actually we're yeah. godparents to their daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, she said that, uh, interesting story, K.R., her husband was at the winery for 48 hours nonstop. <laughs> with the fire department protecting their buildings and their vineyard. Laura, they just it came so close. This, yeah, it's right across the street. Bought this beautiful estate on Silverado a couple years ago. She said, I've worked my whole life for this house. Yes. I am not going to let it burn. It was like out of gone with the wind mm. and was there with a garden hose, the hose running from every mm. spigot she had, running around the house for 24 hours spraying water so and putting scary. out small fires yeah. to protect a lot. I mean, I've seen videos from friends, well, A, who lost houses, B, who, I don't know why it's standing, you know, it's all burned all the way around. So do you think, I was thinking um, of doing an art auction to raise some, some money for nonprofit situations there for the workers and stuff. Um, you think that would be well received? I think anything would be well received. And now with this, and you know, this year's grapes, I mean, it's not as, as big as losing your home, but 
all the smoke that has gone into the fruit. Yeah. And so all those later harvest grapes, the red grapes have yeah. to be destroyed. Because and I heard vintages, just like some of the wine, like the 19 and 20 vintages, just from the smoke have been, some Some of those have been ruined too. What do you mean by being in the barrels and the barrels yeah. absorb? Yes, of course, because they're alive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a wild, it's a wild experience. After four of those, four or five of those every fall, I, I don't I, I can't go through many more. No, I think you're really not alone can't. there. Yeah. I think you're not alone. I really can't. But I, I, here's my positive on that. A couple of years ago, Malibu burned right to the ocean. Cher's house stood, but uh, many beautiful homes and, and properties burned. So that was in the fall. And then the next spring I was driving from San Francisco to Malibu to go to Santa Monica tourist store. And um, it was spring and I had never seen such a beautiful growth of new plants. It was like uh. a garden had been planted and it had just gone crazy. It was mm. the most beautiful growth I'd ever seen. Mm. And that was in a year, that was in less than a year. So the earth has a way of replenishing itself. The yes. burned trees become these silhouettes on the horizon and yeah. maybe they'll clear those away. It's quite but a metaphor. Earth, I was stunned by plants I'd never seen before and wildflowers that came mm. in and, and were reborn. So good to hear. If we it's, have a good rain, I believe in that. Yeah, good. Well, thank you, my dear. I just wanted to make sure we touched in on that. I just so appreciate your perspective on things. And, and I'm glad that you've had this chance to get a different perspective from your trip and from the new store that's not new, but is new. And Well, you know, we just have to believe that change is coming and good things are around the corner. I really think it is. And um, this is new territory for us, but we will recover and we will be better than ever. I, I do know that, so. Thank you for weighing in. Just like, I can't, can't not talk about it. I understand, totally, it's front of mind. Hey, thanks so much for being here with me today. I just love these conversations. They mean the world to me. I love being able to share with you, these wonderful people that I have met along the way, they mean so much. So if you want to check out the show notes or my favorites or anything like that, head on over to tantostudio.com and I'll have everything there, all the details that we talked about today. So again, thanks so much for being here and feel free to head over to wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple or Spotify, and leave a review for Windowsill Chats and subscribe. I will see you next week. I so appreciate you lovelies. Thanks for being here.